Hello, everybody, and welcome to week 13 of the WICB football podcast. And unfortunately, guys, this is our last podcast of the season. While we were slacking during Thanksgiving break and enjoying our time at home, the Bombers enjoyed their Thanksgiving on the South Hill. The reason they were on the South Hill? They defeated Springfield College 21-7 this past Saturday, or should I say the previous Saturday before, uh, advancing to play Randolph-Macon last Saturday in Ashland, Virginia for the second round. This is where the Bomber season unfortunately ended, losing 46 to nothing in their first ever game in Virginia. That's where we're at, guys. I'm your host, Connor Smith, joined for the last time by my wonderful analyst, Nicole Allen and Tommy Morrow. Guys, this season has been filled with a lot of ups and downs, but now we're here in the Audio Prod Roman Park. It's almost 9 p.m., but we'll, we'll go with the how is your break and how's everything been going? How are you guys doing? Break was good. Um, it was nice to be back on Long Island, see my family, eat some good food. Because, you know, here at college, the food is subpar at best. <laughs> um, but no, it was nice. Thanksgiving was nice. What about you, Tommy? How was your break? Yeah, I mean, pretty much summed it up. Um, good Thanksgiving. Spent some time with my family, my friends. Um, worked a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty much it. Excited. I got to, you know, we got that win originally coming back after Thanksgiving. We still have a game left, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's break it down, Connor. Yeah, let's break it down indeed. The first round, you know, unfortunately for us, um, or unfortunately for our listeners, they they were they were skimmed, they were scammed out of a podcast last week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. While we were all, you know, in to be fair, I was working last week. You know, I was pretty busy. Uh, yep. Everyone had Thanksgiving plans. You know, Tommy said he was working. I was right, and also well. Nicole was working. Also, Connor, we want the better quality for our listeners. Yeah, you know? no one wants to True. listen to us on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Who wants now? to listen to us on no, Zoom? Literally. No, want to listen to us in the prod room. Yeah. We're in the prod room. We got these cool mics. Tommy's the only one wearing headphones, but you know it's okay. <laughs> got to make sure okay. the audio is good over yeah, here. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy's making sure we're we're sounding good. But yeah, let's let's dive into that first round because Ithaca matched up with Springfield, the team they played last year in the playoffs, and this one was was pretty much all Ithaca. Ithaca took home the win, twenty-one to seven, with Springfield's only points coming in the fourth quarter. And, you know, it was it was pretty much a game-managing game for the Bombers uh, when they played Springfield. Yeah, I mean, that game was great for them. They got off uh, – they got started the right foot. Um, a 27-yard return from Anthony Diadetta set them up early in that game for a Jalen and Os- Osborne touchdown. And uh, they got, you know, a quick 14 points, kind of solidified the momentum to their side of the field um, and kind of ran away with the game in a way. Uh, except obviously the scoring wasn't that big. It's just their defense played so good against that triple option of Springfield's that you know those points really, really mattered for the the fourteen points. But adding on in the future also capitalized. So, yeah, and I feel like um, them getting that momentum in the beginning of the game really, like you said, it solidified things for them because we've talked about a lot on this podcast where like Ithaca comes to a slow start and like going into halftime they need to fix it up. But like getting those fourteen points really like Tommy said, was able to solidify this win for Ithaca and really, like, get them that momentum to move on to the second round like they did. Yeah, it pretty much started off with a opening drive for Ithaca, opening drive touchdown. It was a 18-play, 68-yard touchdown. Ooh. They took almost 10 yeah. minutes off the clock there, scored the touchdown on a Jalen and Osborne three-yard touchdown run, of course. And then Ithaca got the ball back just a few minutes later, and they scored, but they were pinned at their own one-yard line, and it was a Jalen Leonard Osborne 90-yard run to yeah. get them into the red zone, where then Jalen Hines finished the job off, of course, made it 14-0. The Bombers then tacked on a touchdown early in the second half to make it 21-0. It was another Jalen Leonard Osborne run. Uh, you know, are we even surprised at this point? I don't think Dude's we are. a beast. I mean, yeah. guy's a beast. Uh, and then Springfield tacks on a touchdown later. But this is where we are, guys. And, and this game was – it was honestly – I know this was the start of break and a lot of people left, um, but, you know, it was it was a strange game because we go into it and, you know, we had talked the week before about Springfield. We talked about their triple option. Uh, will Ithaca be able to stop it? Is Springfield going to control the game? But Ithaca really ended up controlling the game. Yeah, and I'm looking at the um, box score right now, and Ithaca had less passing yards than um, Springfield did. Which is a very interesting stat to look at because, I mean, we talked about this on the last podcast where, like, we discovered that Springfield is a – literally all they do is a triple option and all they do is run the ball. Um, One of the greatest moments on this podcast for me is us finding out about the Coast Guard (laughs) game that they had where they had over 600 rushing yards. I told everyone about that at home. (laughs) They all were like, what? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, 
it's all that momentum that Ithaca started the game off with. And, like, the defense looked great. I mean, they had some great – like, Jay Connolly leading six tackles. I think he's going to be a beast next season on this team. And we just performed like we had to. Yeah, I mean, Nicole, you couldn't have said it better. Um, and I feel like, obviously, the momentum all throughout the game really helped him out. Um, it was that fourth quarter. It was 21-7. It may have almost looked like Springfield was trying to inch back in the game and get something started, and then that last drive, Derek Saluka, um, you know, drilled Dante Vasquez to force a fumble and really solidify the win for Ithaca as they pretty much kneeled it from there. So there, there was a little life towards the end of the game for Springfield, but, you know, shortly uh, shortly lived there. Yeah, and, and I think it's funny, Nicole, about the, the passing arts you brought up. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you told me before going into this game – that Ithaca would end with less passing yards than Springfield would, I would have thought you were crazy. Yep. Yeah, you know, I would have thought you were crazy. crazy. It, it's a it's a crazy thing to think. But what Ithaca did in this game, which I personally liked a lot, is you know they they decided that it wasn't you know it didn't matter what what seed they were anymore. You know they made the NCAA tournament. I'm I'm pretty sure the the seedings and the rankings. They I don't know how Division three football does it. It's really hard to to get a grasp of because mm-hmm. I thought you know if Ithaca had won and Union had won that they would travel to Schenectady to play Union yeah. apparently Ithaca would have hosted the playoff game if they had won according to it's some sort of ranking D3 system rankings yeah. it doesn't matter about the seeding it matters about the rankings in your region which I thought was really interesting uh when I found out that of course but just going into this we knew Ithaca was going on the road obviously and they they couldn't move up their ranking anymore. They that that was their final seeding. That was their final ranking in the region two. So really, what happened was Ithaca like basically decided, okay, we don't care about how we play anymore. As long as we get the win, that's all that matters. And I feel like that was pretty representative of how they played this game. They got up early. They were up by three scores, and all they were doing is game managing the second half. Colin Shumley threw the ball ten times in that game against Springfield. It was all pretty much game management there, and it's it's it worked out really well for Ithaca. Yeah, and you know that that uh, what you mentioned that point of Colin Shum only throwing the ball thirty five yards. Well, let's take a look here, Connor. He, he ran sixteen times for sixty three yards, so he was very versatile. You know, he used his legs. He was mobile. He was able to get out get out in space, and you know, very do very well on the ground and then obviously Jane Leonard Osborne ran for 165 that day so um you know you don't really need Shum when you have Leonard Osborne and and you have Shum's legs that you know is different from AJ Wingfield you know it's a whole different kind of you know scheme and a player back there yeah yeah and and just kind of looking at this game because I know that just in general, you know, we when we saw that previous game against Cortica, the biggest thing was kind of yeah. Ithaca having the ball, having their defense, having the ability to rest up. In this game, Ithaca had the ball for over 40 minutes. Over yeah. 40 minutes of this game, Ithaca had possession. And when you do that, it's exactly what happened last or the week before uh, against Cortica. You're able to win the games. You're able to control the pace of the game. And that's really what yeah. Ithaca did. And it was why they got their win. I mean, you're just kind of looking at this Ithaca... Uh, six for 14 on third downs, two for three on fourth downs, of course. Anytime you're almost 50% conversion rate, it's going to be a good day for you, obviously, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But kind of just, just looking at this game, like, I, and we obviously know the results of the, of the Randolph-Megan game. Did anyone here kind of expect that this was going to, like, that the Randolph-Megan result was going to happen following the Springfield game? I didn't. Me personally, no. I didn't either. Um, Ithaca looked like they were ready to take on Randolph Macon. Like, they came out of the Springfield game confident and ready to travel down to Virginia and get a win, and they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like, you know, you come back from that Cortland game, yeah, you lose 38-28, all right? You know, Cortland's a big rival game. Uh, you kind of got to just turn the page now and just focus. You got to get wins now. You know, you mm-hmm. can't lose or else you're out. And, you know, it was a whole different um, – yeah, a, a whole different like mental procedure for Terp. Yeah, you like, go into you it. go yeah. from something where it's like you know before beforehand, right? It's kind of like we want to be ranked as high as possible. We want yeah. those big wins. We want to you know have our dominant fashion games. Uh, but once you get to the playoffs, it's kind of just like survive in advance. Exactly, yeah. just win that game. You don't focus on anything else but this game. And I thought they did a great job of that at Springfield and. You know, Randolph Macon comes, you know, you're losing 21 nothing in the first half, and it's just like you're, you know, throwing questions around, like, can we win this game and stuff? Yeah, and, and I think that just kind of 
just kind of going into that week, I mean, obviously, you know, none of us stayed here the entire week. But you you just got to think of it kind of – uh, you know, not to make excuses or anything, but you just got to think, you know, what is, do you think there's a factor that Ithaca, you know, their football team had to spend Thanksgiving here away from their families, away from their friends, uh, you know, at home, of course, they had to spend Thanksgiving here. Obviously you're with your teammates and, you know, your coaches that are like your family, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, going home, sleeping in your own bed, waking up in the morning in your own house, that, that's got to be something different, right? I think it has a fact, it plays a factor into it. Um, We've talked about this. I've been talking about this with some of the opposing coaches in the past couple of weeks. We're like, it's the end of the semester. We're all kind of just tired. We just got to get through it. And, like, I feel like as a regular college student, going home for Thanksgiving is really something that I look forward to. Because, like, not even just because I hate college because I love college. Just because, like, it's a break and it gives us time to just relax and be at home and just just take our focus off school in a way. Exactly. Yeah, like, and like, we're yeah. drained for like three months of school and, you know, just br- like even like us here in the broadcast, broadcast, like park school stuff. You know, it gives us that little break and we kind of look forward to that. And for athletes, it's almost like, you know, they're, they're filled with sports for two, three months and they kind of want that break and they're looking forward to it. It's just unfortunate they couldn't get it. You know, they had playoffs. Yeah. And like, I think, um, I don't know. Did they travel down on Thursday or Friday? I believe it was on Friday. Okay. Yeah. I so believe, I, I believe it was on Friday because I know Friday Thursday. They over. Thursday they had a like a Thanksgiving okay. dinner together as a team, and then Friday they headed down because I saw Coach like Friday Tripper, morning afternoon they went. Down, yeah, yeah, Coach Tripper posted it on X. Now it used to okay. be Twitter, of course, but. Um, Coach Sherber posted so. like the team dinner photo and everything. They had a little pumpkin pie eating contest here. You know, <laughs> they were they were trying to keep they were trying to keep spirits up. Yeah. And obviously, um, you know, you got you know leaders on the team. Obviously, you know AJ Wingfield is still here watching every game, going every practice. He's helping you know players out, of course. You know he wants to see this team succeed just as much as everybody else. But yeah. you know it, it ended up not happening that way. And I think this is kind of a good transition. Um, to go into the Randolph-Macon game because um, unlike the 21-7 to win for Ithaca, the Bombers lost 46 to nothing, and, you know, it's a it's a terrible score to just be able to sit here and talk about because at least in the other losses, there was stuff to walk away from positive. Like mm-hmm. in the Johns Hopkins game, yeah. they, they lost that game by 10, but the second half m- looked much better than the first half. Yeah. That's something you could take away. In the Cortland game, even though the defense was bad, the offense was showing hope. Yeah. In this game, it was just an all-around mess, and I personally couldn't see anything that was positive from this game. Yeah. Um, Ithaca only had 103 offensive yards to randolph Megan's 565, which is crazy. <laughs> Damn. Um, Damn. That's what I would call a blowout. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean – Colin Shum only threw for 57 yards. Jalen Leonard Osborne only ran for 29. Like, overall, it was just no one was firing any of their cylinders. Yeah, this this Ithaca defense, you know, was sleeping on Saturday. They had two running backs rush for over 100 yards on them. Um, and I, that says a lot right there. Ithaca's defense has been stout all season long. You know, they've been mm-hmm. that anchor of that team and – just allowing two running backs to run over 100-plus yards on you is, is not a great look at all. And then, you know, their third running back ran for 74 yards. So, like, just things like that, like little stuff like that is just going to pile up and add on to you. And, you know, they obviously chewed a ton of clock, um, and, you know, they were able to execute on drives. Yeah, Randolph making a 388 yards on the ground. Yeah. Um, it was something where coming into the game, I feel like, uh, at least for me, I heard that, you know, Randolph-Macon was an, like an all-around team. They had a really good, you know, they had a good offense. Uh, and in the offense, it was a good, you know, rushing and passing attack. And, you know, their defense was good. And it was a good front seven and secondary. Like, they were just an all-around good team. And I feel like going into the game, um, you know, especially looking at that strength of schedule, I know that's something that uh, one of our Count on the Kickoff guys, uh, Justin Antonucci, otherwise known as Nooch, Nooch. Um, you know, <laughs> He, it was one of the things he was saying was, you know, how, you know, going into this game, Randolph-Macon really hadn't had any really tough games. Their toughest game was against Christopher Newport in the yeah. first round of the NCAA playoffs where they won 28-20, to a little bit of a scare there. Mm-hmm. 10-0 Randolph-Macon team almost losing to a 7-3 and Christopher Newport team. Granted, Christopher Newport did have their tough games, but at the same time, 
Um, you know, you expect a, a two seed against a seven seed to take care of business pretty comfortably, especially in the first round. There was some some big scoring games there, but kind of just looking at this game, it, it almost seemed uh, like Ithaca was just like unmotivated. I know you mentioned it, Nicole, earlier about they were just tired. It just just being able to hear the broadcast, you know, like every time the defense would get on the field, like it was like. It was kind of just like they were going there and like expecting them to score. You know, offense would go on the field and they'd be punting four plays later. It was just, it was a game listening to. I don't know if you felt the same way, but just listening to it, it was kind of like, like just drained my soul. It almost seemed like. Yeah, I mean, Schmitty, you were in here a couple times with me. I was doing the highlights for the game, and you know, after every play, Brandon Evans interception. Dude had three on the day. Like, you know, a legacy day for him. Um. Like, that, that defense just stepped up and made plays against Colin Shum. And what I'm really surprised is, is obviously, Shum, this is his, like, fifth or sixth start, I believe. Yeah, I think it's something around that. Yeah, you, yeah, you, like, yeah. Just, keep, just keep going with the point. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's hear it. Let's yeah. hear it. No, what I'm saying is, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if Randolph-Macon had that much tape on him or something, but, like, just for that Randolph-Macon defense to come and play really well against a first-year quarterback in his fifth or sixth game is – you know, outstanding. Obviously, the the pressure might have got to Shum a little bit, but still, like he looked great against Cortland, and that was a bigger environment. You know, and like all of this is just very surprising to me because I feel like yeah. I always say this before every single point I make, but we talked about it a lot on previous podcasts mm-hmm. where Ithaca in previous games has been able to gain the momentum when they needed to in the game. Yeah, and like like I say, they're a fourth quarter team. And, like, listening to that broadcast, like you said, Smitty, not, like, the momentum just never came. Yeah, and yeah. and I think that especially, I know, um, for those of you who didn't get to listen to the, the broadcast or might have forgotten, um, you know, our sideline reporter, Parker, was talking, you know, he, during his hits, talking about the bench, you know, how, you know, some of the team looked deflated. And they said, you know, Ben Sola riled everybody up and, you know, this was back in the second quarter when it was only uh, fourteen nothing, I believe. But the when it happened, he was like, you know, like let's go, guys. You know, he's hyping everyone up to go out there and you know, big defensive stop. And you know, to be fair, Randolph Macon's kicker was keeping them in this game. There was yeah. a couple missed mm-hmm. extra points, uh, a missed field goal, allowing Ithaca to keep it a three possession game. Yeah. But every time Ithaca's offense got on the field. There was just no spark in that offense. There was nothing going on for him. I, I'm looking at the game sheet right here. Ithaca only possessed the ball for 17 minutes this game, wow. which crazy. 17 minutes out of 60 minutes is obviously really low. Yeah. In the second half alone, you know, 30 minutes in the second half, obviously, they held the ball for under six minutes in the second half. And and I think that's something where you kind of look at it and it, it not not that we're you know obviously we cover the team, we don't play for the team. But it almost just seemed like they they went into halftime, you know, how are they going to respond? They just didn't seem like they were motivated to respond at all. Yeah, and, like, um, I wasn't able to listen to Parker's halftime interview with Turper, but I feel like Turper always goes into the half. His famous quote, it's the most irrelevant score in college football. Um, I feel I mean, I don't know what it was like, so I can't say that Turpin didn't sound enthusiastic, but, like, I wonder what happened at halftime, like, in that locker room to where, like, like, what was said, what happened, because Turpin always sound, seems like he's just focusing on Pumped up and, like, ready to exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't really know where I was going with that point. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> Because this is the beauty of a podcast, you know. It's we're able <laughs> to talk and ramble. We're, exactly. we're able to talk yeah. openly about it. But I, I think I, I understand what you're saying, though, Nicole. Because listening to that halftime pre-interview, you know, Parker was, you know, uh, he was a little more careful with the words that he yep. approached Coach Turpin yep. with. Um, you know, against Springfield, it was a, it was a it was a rough pr- halftime interview right before. But um, you know, he he you know he gave the questions to Coach Turpin, you know. It was one thing at a time, you know, starting with the special teams. There was a, a kick where Anthony Diadetta decided not to get it, and they downed it at the one-yard line. There was, you know, something where he returned it from deep in the end zone and then ran backwards and got tackled at the five-yard line, pinning Ithaca within their, like within their own, like that. Yeah. Within their own yeah. zone. And, you know, it's simple things, which, you know, we can sit back and say simple things. Obviously, we're not the ones playing the game. So, any you know, they have specific reasons for why things happen. But just kind of looking at it, 
it, it just seemed like there was too many mistakes. Um, I, I know that we had the stream up, you know, watching the game, of course. The, the throws that, that Colin Shum was making were not the promising throws that I had, that I had seen the past few weeks before. Uh, there was a couple, the first two interceptions were just misplaced balls. You know, they were, they were, you know, underthrown, uh, and, and Brandon Evans picked it off and, you know, obviously he had himself a career day, three interceptions for him. Um, you know, it, it was, it was kind of, Ithaca was trying to do too much without having like they didn't even switch up their game plan. It was mm-hmm. once they were down, it's like, okay, the only way we're going to be able to dig ourselves out is by throwing the ball and trying to get big plays. Yeah. That's not how it, it's going to be able to work. Yeah. You know, I'm not a college football coach, but you can't go down and, and score every drive on like two, three plays that are like 30, 40 yard chunk plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to work your way down the you field. Move the ball. Yeah. You got to work your way down the field. And on the halftime show, I, I do the halftime show for, for the listeners in case they <laughs> yeah, don't sure know. Um, but one of the biggest things was kind of getting that defense to spark something in the second half. They didn't spark anything in the second half. It honestly seemed like they just gave up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the players at, at halftime kind of, they knew a little bit, like, all right, this may be our last game for the, some of the seniors and some of the for the grad students, um, and it and it sucks, you know, it's your last game on the on the field. But uh, I feel like it. You were talking a little bit about motivation uh, before, Schmidt. I feel like it motivates these younger players. You know, this this team that they have around around them. Um, you know, freshmen Nicholas Matos, Nicholas Lang, you know Colin Shum, who's going to be the future of this team at quarterback, and even some of the defensive players. It kind of mo- motivates them. All right, you know, we got this far last year. Or you know this season, speaking right now, let's mm-hmm. do something better next season. You know, let's let's you know build a bigger goal next season. Yeah, and I think it's a great segue into a topic we would like to talk about: um, players yeah. for next season. Yeah, like you said, Colin Shum, Nick Matos, Nick Lang. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of there's a lot of standout. There's a lot of yeah. potential here on this Ithaca team. And, and first, yeah. I I just want to kind of go through and and highlight the. I, I, ty- I typed up the word graduate. I command effed it <laughs> on the Ithaca roster. So um, there's 15 graduate graduate wow. students that are that are you know here for their fifth year, uh-huh. uh, including Tamir Rouser, AJ Wingfield, obviously Derek Sluka, Anthony Diadetta, um, Julian Dumaga, of course. You know there, some big shoes there. Ben, that, ben Stoll, yeah, the captain of that, that defense, people are going to have to fill. Uh, Drew Brenner, defensive back. Dan Mason, tight end, of course. You know, these are these are some big name guys that it, it's it's going to hurt this team. Obviously, we we know that you know last year they lost some key pieces as well. This year they're going to lose more key pieces as well. But there's also you know the bright side of, of a lot of this. And I know that you know just in general, you know when you lose some you know big guys you know that are that are really important to your team, it's it's not going to be you know the same next year. It's not yeah. going to be the same thing. But that's that's why you know, teams write their own identities. And and this team has a lot of potential for next year to write their own identity, kind of develop under Coach Turper. Just think of it this way. Coach Turper has been the head coach of this program for two years now, both times advancing to at least the second round of the playoffs, uh, the first year being to the third round of the playoffs, this year the second round. But, you know, there's a lot of bright things and, and good things to take away from the season. And, and I think, you know, even though there are a bunch of graduate seniors uh, leaving, you know, a lot of them really uh, important pieces to this team. You know, there's still a lot of bright stuff to look at. Yeah, and I feel like one of the bright spot is uh, one of the bright spots is seeing uh, Colin Shum play. You know, because it's going to be a lot harder going into next year if Shum hasn't even played a snap or you know played at the Division three level or the uh, you know competition that he's seen. You know, now Turper knows he has film, he has tape of how Shum plays. Um, he, he like knows his play style and everything. So I think it's going to be a lot easier for that coaching staff and even these receivers and running backs that are coming back next year to play with him. Yeah, and I agree with Tommy about um, having like having those first years played this year as well because, like, yes, it's good for Colin Sean because we know how he plays already. We know where he needs to work on. But with all these other players as well, Nick Matos, Nick Lang, J.C. Wichko, like we've seen them in action and we've seen how they play and how they need to improve, how they mesh with other players on the team. So like having them play this season 
is a great step forward for next season because I feel like these past two seasons with Turper as the head coach, he's had a pretty experienced team like on the field for him. Yeah. So I think it's a big like it's it's a big step forward for him to know how these freshmen play already because he's dealt with experienced players for so long. Yeah. So some of them already have experience already, mm-hmm. but those experienced players that he's worked with have kind of coach these young guys into the positions that they're going to have to be next semester yeah. or next year. Yeah, and there's there's also there's a lot to look forward to obviously. Um, you know, we obviously don't know the schedule so far, um, but we know that there's going to be the Liberty League games. We know there's going to be Cortica, of course. Um, but you know, just kind of looking at the the team that we have now, there's there's a few guys that we that I can say that we know who are, who's coming back. And and one of those is Jalen Osborne, the Liberty League Offensive Player of the Year. Yep. And the other one is Jake Williams, the other running back who, you know, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the season where he broke his leg at the beginning of the season and was out for the rest of the season. So now you get your top rusher in in Jake Williams. You know, that's your running back one right there. And you also get Jalen Osborne with now if you put Jake Williams in there on that offense – who knows? You know, you could throw Jalen Osborne at receiver. You can keep him as – you can do two running back uh, slots. But as of right now, all we know in terms of returning players is that we will have Jalen Osborne and Jake Williams back for the Ithaca Bombers next season. Huge, huge, uh, you know, addition to those two right there. Jake Williams, before he got injured, um, only ran for 293 yards uh, this season. But last season was his big season, uh, 825 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, just about averaging five yards a carry, which is great for a running back in Division Three. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, that's a good job right there. So, you know, the addition of him um, coming back healthy as well as J-Lo, what we saw this year, I think that backfield is going to be uh, menacing. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Tommy on that. Um, like you said, J-Lo, Liberty League Player of the Year. Um, he had 208 – no, sorry. I'm trying to look at his stats right now. I'm getting confused, so I'm gonna avoid those. Yeah, for a no, second. it's okay. I'll let you. I'll let you pull it up, and I'll. I'll <laughs> let talk, me pull it up. I'll talk on the floor a, for a little bit. A thousand eighty. There we yards. go. There we go. He yes. had a thousand eighty-three um, yards just on the ground. Yeah, just and, on the and ground. Rushing. He was also really impactful on the air as well. He scored a boatload of touchdowns. Who's got the stats for me? I'm Come trying on. to find him. I'm on. trying to find him. Come on, him. who's got him? Um, I got you, Schmidt. You got four hundred one yards receiving and three touchdowns receiving. Uh, and then rushing was 1,083 with 11 touchdowns. Okay, I might that, just be so. an idiot. Well, no, I, no, no, just Nicole, got the stats pulled up right wait. here. It says rush career statistics 2023. Oh, career or 2023 yards 800. Oh, okay. Whole what bunch. Happened? I got it. I got <laughs> yep. it. We were talking about his career stats. I was looking at the. Tw- I'm so confused. I don't know. It's I was okay. talking about 2023. All that matters is that okay, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. got over. It sounds like he's got a, a little bit under. Well, considering probably the playoffs, you could probably put it over, uh, over fifteen hundred total scrimmage yards and a lot of touchdowns. Because yeah. I, I know I've heard Cam and Kyle say touchdown Jalen Osborne yep. a bunch of times this season. Um, but that's yeah. that's a huge piece of this Ithaca team is kind of just having, um, you know, those those two really good offensive pieces coming back. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously. You know, we I know we talked a lot about Sam Klein this season. He is a senior. We don't know for sure if he's coming back or not. Uh, a lot of these seniors can decide if they want to have that graduate year uh, in the fall, of course. But you know, they they have plenty of time to decide what they're going to do. But kind of just looking, you know, at this Ithaca team, you also have a lot of the juniors this year who are going to be really important. You know, guys like Jake Conley, uh, Danny Portis. You know, these are these are guys that you know had a lot of good minutes this year and and they put in a lot of really good stats this season yeah uh you brought up Jake Connolly I feel like he really um came out of his shell this season um we were I mean the big defensive name at the beginning of the season for all of us was Ben Stola and a couple games in the season I can't remember which one it was exactly but all of a sudden Jake Connolly just popped up and I think Jake Connolly is gonna um is gonna be a good um he's gonna Sorry, I'm trying to figure out my thoughts. It's okay. I, it's like, okay. I'm stuttering. Um, I think it's he'll late. be. It's late. It's late. It's it's. We're approaching. We're approaching nine thirty <laughs> right now. Probably day. this is definitely the latest <laughs> podcast we've ever done. Um, but but yeah, you you can continue, Nicole. Keep going. Keep going. You got it. Okay, so I know there are different positions. Well, I say both the defense, but I got a pitch. Um, 
I think Jay Connolly will be able to step into a Ben Stoller role next year a little bit for the defense, just overall as the defensive leader. Um, yeah, I think with Jay Connolly being a junior, he'll be a senior next year. He'll be, um, I don't know how many grad students we'll have next year on the defense. Mm-hmm. We don't know as of now, yeah. but if we have no grad students and it's just going to be the seniors for the defense, I think Jay Connolly's going to really be put in a position for the defense where he's going to have to act as, like, quote-unquote, the new Ben Stroller in that leadership role mm-hmm. because of how he performed this season. Yeah, and, you know, Jason Haber, one of those defensive backs, mm-hmm. he's a graduate student. He won't be coming back, obviously. But, you know, Tommy Moran, also another big name right there. It's another senior potential grad student return. We don't know. Obviously, it's all speculation at this point. Um, but, you know, him and, you know, Sam Tarango, another junior, he got some good minutes towards the end of the season – uh, put in some good work, obviously, as well. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this Ithaca team, you know, moves forward. You know, they, they've got a lot of young guys. How do they incorporate them into the team? Uh, are they going to be starters kind of at the start of next season? Are they are they going to be, uh, you know, kind of on the reserves, kind of watching the, the, the soon-to-be junior and seniors coming up, um, you know, getting those starting minutes, of course. But it, it – it, comes to to see that there's a lot of competition here in the Liberty League and there's a lot of competition here at Ithaca College and you know we don't know how this new recruiting class is going to be or whatever but we can predict you know and and that's something that uh you know I I I I find I find the most fun is being able to throw out these random predict predictions because you know at the same you know if we can come back at this time next year and be like hey remember when I predicted that you know Ithaca would be nine and one and finish first in the Liberty League on Wednesday, November 29th, twenty twenty three at nine twenty two p.m. You know, like I could go back and look at that. So with that being said, I think we know where we're going. Where I'm going with this is I, I'm going to ask you guys for your predictions. And you know, the schedule's not out. Nobody knows what the schedule is, but I will say that um, you know Ithaca played Endicott, Johns Hopkins, and Alfred State to start off. Or was it Alfred? Or Al- I think it was Alfred. It was Alfred. Just, just Alfred. Alfred. Yeah, just Alfred. Um, they played those three games before getting into conference play, so who knows what that's going to look like next year, of course. But I, I have to ask the question, where do we think Ithaca finishes in the Liberty League number one? Like, where do we think they're going to finish, and what do you think their record's going to be uh, through their 10-game regular season? So who wants to start Ooh. us off? I know it's a big question. I'll start us off. I Tommy, think... Tommy's confident. Let's, let's hear what Tommy's well, going to say. I think they finish first again. Um, three years in a row. Yeah. Okay. I think they finished first again, and I think their Liberty League conference record is five and one. Okay. I think they lose one game to either RPI or Union. So where do you think RPI or Union lose their game if if you have Ithaca above them? They got to lose two then. Yeah, and I feel like they're gonna they're gonna RPI is gonna lose lose the Union. Mm-hmm. Or like I don't uh, know. He doesn't I don't know. know. He doesn't know. <laughs> but but <laughs> there's a lot of speculation. Exactly. There's yeah. a lot of speculation. Uh, that's the good thing about being so far out is you don't have to be that accurate with your prediction. So what do you think? Nine and one overall in the season, would you say? Uh, no, I said five and one in the. Liberty well, I'm League. saying like overall and in the season. Overall, yeah. Do you think they win Cortica next year? Eight and two. Eight and two. Yeah, okay. So you think? So you think they lose? I think we lose uh, Cortica. I'm not lose gonna lie. Cortica? I think Zach Boys gets his final like say. And mm-hmm. then it's the Colin Shum error. He's going to win two quarters back-to-back. Yeah, Zach Boys is a junior. And it's going to be in Cortland, too, um, so that's going to be a big advantage. Exactly. I, would like to, I would like to say on the podcast, just because I feel like I have to, it's, it's, only, it's only right as much as I don't like you know, to say it, of course, as an Ithaca fan. But Cortland is in the third round of the playoffs. They wow. beat Grove City. They hosted a game because they beat Endicott, and then Grove City beat Susquehanna, the team that beat Cortland yeah. earlier in the season in the first round. Grove City won 21 to 20. Then Grove City lost to Cortland 25-24. I w- we were actually watching that game yeah, in, field in there. Mm-hmm. It was a missed field goal at the last second for what Grove City. And um, Cortland ended up winning. So they are playing Alma because Alma beat Mount Union, <laughs> which is one of the top down. teams in the country, uh, 24 to 20 in their game, of course. But now Alma plays Cortland this Saturday, the 12 or 12-2 at 12 p.m., uh, I think I don't know if this is in Cortland or not. I don't think it is. Probably not, because I think Alma's like ranked second in the nation, so I feel like they'd host. Yeah. yeah. So I I think uh, Cortland goes on the road, obviously, but they are in the third round of the playoffs <coughs> next Cortland's year. Cortland's going to Michigan. That's where it Michigan. is. It's in Whoa. Michigan. Oh, yep. that's a Michigan. 
Look at that. Look at Nicole with the knowledge. My, right I'm, there. <laughs> I'm picturing my mom's Schmitty. text in the family group chat about it. She was on you know, that, Schmitty. Uh, my sister goes to Cortland, so. So is that she, like a boo or like that's a what boo. is it? Boo? L. Boo. Okay. Big L's. Big 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 I mean. Sibling rivalry, big sibling, <laughs> big sibling rivalry. I mean, you got we're you, twins too. You, so. you here at Ithaca, your twin sister at Cortland. Yep. that's a rivalry. Right yeah, there, if I've ever heard one, of yeah. course. Um, but yeah, I, I, so Tommy, you have the mating too. Do you have them making the playoffs with that? Yeah. With the with the Liberty League secured seed, I would say. Yeah, I guess they're making the playoffs. Yeah. How far in the playoffs do you think? I know this is we're getting very deep into this, of course, but I, I just got to ask. I just got to ask. Second or third round again, I think they get back to close where they are with that experience of Shum coming back, and mm-hmm. I could see it. You could see it. I, I could see it as well. Nicole, let, let's. I'll, I'll give you the floor. Give me the give me the record prediction. Give me the standing in the Liberty <laughs> League, and if they make the playoffs or not, and if they do, how far? Okay, I think our record will be. Let's see here. Um, I think our record will be silent. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go eight and two or seven and three. Okay. It comes down to that one game. It does come down to that one game. Oh, <laughs> I th- okay. I think our record will be seven and three. Seven three, I think, we'll be ranked second in the Liberty League, under Union. Okay. Because I think we'll lose to Union, we'll lose Cortica. Mhm. And then. One of the non-conference games, or what do you think we lose the other one? I think we lose one of the non-conference games. Okay. Because I think we beat RPI next year because, as of right now, Jake Kazanowski was out in like the like three or four weeks ago. So mm-hmm. I don't know what his status for next year is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we play, it's if we play Johns Cop- John Hopkins or Endicott again, I think we'll lose. Mm-hmm. I think we'll lose to Johns Hopkins because Bay Harvey, that's our quarterback, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Bay Harvey is going on his. We'll go on his second starting season as a. Junior or senior? I One don't of know. Them. I'm he, not 100 percent sure. Be a senior. Sorry, I'm pulling out my ICTV um, auditions <laughs> knowledge from the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we'll go seven and three. We'll lose to Union. We'll lose Cortica because it's at Cortland, mm-hmm. and then we'll either yeah. lose to Johns Hopkins or Endicott. Okay, fair point. And that's I I don't know 100 percent if they will play Johns yes, Hopkins yes. Endicott, but if they have two high level opponents like them, exactly, I think it's fair enough to speculate that they might do it. I'm also curious to see, not 100 percent sure, of course, because I I don't make the schedule. But will Ithaca host? Do you think the Ithaca will host those games next year? Because they're the only reason they didn't this year is because the field was still under construction. You got to think maybe if one of those are home, you know, there's a a bigger upset or something on the line. It's a but possibility. Who knows? Possibility. Who knows? I'll get into my prediction, though, because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've, I've let you guys go on and on about uh, Ithaca being in first and second, of course. So I, I forgot to ask, do you think they make the playoffs? Do you think they get an at-large bid? Seven and three, that's a little tough. Seven and three is a little tough, but I would say they would. You think so? You I don't think know what the logistics like an of getting something? an at-large bid is at, bid is at all, mm-hmm. but, like, I have faith. Actually, No. No, um, I think they would. I was gonna say I have faith in the NCAA, but I don't. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fair. But I think they would. That's probably a hot take, and everyone's gonna like roast me for <laughs> it. But I feel like they could. They, they definitely could. Uh, I'm gonna go. I think Ithaca finishes next season. I think they finish seven and three. I think they take care of business against. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna have to say six and four. I'm sorry. Wow. Um, I think. I Damn. think. I think it's gonna be really hard. Um, to beat teams that were really good this year that Ithaca had won because of their squad this year. I, yeah. I think even with guys like Jalen Leonard Osborne and Jake Williams coming back, from what we know now, obviously this can completely change in the spring uh, and even you know in the summer, of course, of next year, depending on who returns. But just kind of having it, you know, and you look at the, the other two teams in the Liberty League that are really good. You got Union and RPI. RPI, Jake Gazanowski, I know you just mentioned he was injured. Mm-hmm. He's also a junior. So he, no matter what, will be coming back in the fall. Yeah. 
Uh, most you bring injuries, up a good point, Smitty. It's just like the uncertainty of this defense. Yeah, most, most, I mean, what really held Ithaca together this year was their defense. Yeah, Even right. with A.J. Wingfield as quarterback, um, it wasn't an offensive shootout. The most points they scored was with Colin Shum at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Colin Shum will get more comfortable with this offense. I think Ithaca will win the games that they should win against St. Lawrence and Buff State and um, Hobart and um, forgetting the other team. Uh, in the Liberty League, uh, Rochester, 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 Ar- uh, Rochester of course. I think they lose to both RPI and Union. Um, I think last year was at RPI in Troy. I think this year in Ithaca, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Kazanowski is a senior. That defense is still really good for yeah. RPI. I think it's going to be hard to win. And then going on the road in Schenectady to, to Union, who knows if Donovan Paquetti will still be their quarterback. He's a senior. He could also become a grad student and come back for next year. Um, if I was him, you know, your team just made it to the second round of the playoffs with you. It's your best season in a while. I would, I mean, if I was him, I would come back. But then again, I'm not Donovan Paquetti, of course. So, right. um, but with that being said, I think it's going to be hard. Uh, that Cortland game, I think, is a loss as well in Cortland. Zach Boys is just such a good quarterback, uh, especially in his senior year. I think he's going to have something to prove. Cortland's already in the Elite Eight of, you know, Division mm-hmm. Three football yeah. right now. And then kind of just beginning of the season, you never know who you're going to face. But if you got one of those teams like Johns Hopkins, like Endicott, they're, they're going to be, you know, hungry, you you know, mm-hmm. for more. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard to, to win all your games before conference play. I think they drop one of those. Unfortunately, six and four means they don't make the playoffs. I think they finished third in the Liberty League, though. Um, but I think next year isn't a year to compete for a, a national championship, but I think it's a year – where you can see a lot of promising things. Yeah. This is yeah. a young team. Uh, you know, they have a really bright future, but I'm not 100% sure that I can fully say that they can go ahead and win the Liberty League for a third year in a row. Almost, you know, you almost see, like, things starting to click a little bit on the offensive side. You know, you have young, young receivers, a young quarterback, maybe them starting to build a relationship in the backfield and stuff and just building that connection, you know, with your receivers. Because A.J. Wingfield, over the course of his three years here at Ithaca, had great um, connections with those receivers. So if Shum could uh, develop, you know, some kind of chemistry with those receivers over the course of this year into even next year, that would be super helpful for that offense. I feel like we'll be in a little bit of a rebuilding stage next year. And, like, yeah. we'll be in that rebuilding stage to win that national championship in the coming years. Like, right. obviously, I can't predict that we will. I mean, I can hope that we will. Sorry, I said we. It's I okay. can hope that Ithaca will. Yes. Um, But I feel like we're in this rebuilding stage right now with so many grad students leaving, with so many freshmen becoming sophomores next year, with a new recruiting class coming in. I feel like we're definitely going to be in a see a rebuilding stage next season so that hopefully in the future Ithaca can secure a national championship. Yeah, and looking at, you know, kind of the, the last last point, I, I just noticed that, you know, both Joe Rico and JoJo Pucky are both graduates, uh, graduate seniors, yeah. of course. They cannot return for another season. But yep. it, it's something where, you know, there's there's a lot, you know, a lot of hope with this Ithaca team. And kind of before we close out the the podcast, of course, for the last time, I want to get into just just one more thing, and that's that's kind of your your MVP of the season because you know it's been a long season. You know we've been doing this now for you know over three months here. Um, every week we get wowed, and you know we say, "Oh my god!" and you know what the heck, and all this stuff. You know a lot of a lot of mixed emotions along the entire season. Um, but I, I got to ask you guys. You know, there's a lot of players that have played for Ithaca this season in football. Who is your MVP of the season? Who wants to start us off? I'll start us off. Um, so I'd have to go Jalen Leonard Osborne here. Uh, it's I feel like it's very uh, very self-explanatory. He came into the season not even having the running the running back one role. Um, he was more of a vers- versatile like slot kind of player for them. Um, he'd play the RB two behind Williams and sometimes even receiver here and there. But uh, as soon as Williams went down, this guy took over. Um, he ran the ball for you know pretty much since that Alfred game and the Liberty League out for Ithaca, he had, I believe, four games over 100 rushing yards um, and four games over 30-plus receiving yards. So this guy's lethal, you know. He ran the ball against Rochester for 208 yards. You know, it's, the only other player I know is on Rochester that's doing that is Daniel Papatonis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, J-Lo really made himself known this year. He made a presence known in that backfield. Um, and, you know, he rightfully so 
deserves that offensive player, uh, Liberty League offensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. Mm-hmm. And it's been really a fantastic season from Jalen and Osborne. I'm very excited yeah. to kind of see how he how he approaches next season. You know, can he win Ithaca more games like he did this year? Yeah. I mean, he was the reason why they won so many games offensively. Um, but can he do it again next year? That's and I'm super excited to see what he can do next year. Yeah, yeah and that's the that's the biggest question. How is how is Coach Terper going to utilize both him and Jake Williams, Williams yeah. back healthy? And hopefully both of them can stay healthy and, and Ithaca can can kind of use them all season. But that's that's a great pick, Tommy. Uh, it's probably it, it's probably the easiest pick though. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go to Nicole now. Nicole, who is your MVP of the season? Um, I've been debating it in my head for a little bit. Um, I feel like we saw this man drop off a little bit in the toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna have to give it to Ben Stola. I mean, he's a leading tackler on the team this season with um 118 total tackles. Yeah, which is crazy. In only in only uh 13 games. Exactly. So leading tackler. I mean, he was a captain. I think that. I I give him my player of the year for his performance on the team on the field but also his performance as a leader on this team. I mean, when AJ went down, I feel like Ben Stola stepped up a little bit to be more of a leader for these younger guys. He gave a lot of these defensive younger guys like a spot on the field to make a name for themselves and show that yeah. they're going to be the future of the um He was that defensive leader. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I would give it to him because I mean it shows in the stat book, but it also shows on the character that he had to, you know, build this defense to the defense that they were by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're going to miss that next year for sure. They're yeah. totally going to miss it. And, and you go from, you know, Matt Simpsonless the year before to Ben Stola, another fantastic linebacker. Two Long Island natives right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Two Long Island natives. from Garden City. A lot, uh, lot of yups. A lot yup, of yups. A whole bunch of yups. A <laughs> whole bunch of yups. And Stola's bunch from of Northport. So. Stola's my neighbor. <laughs> oh, look at that. Long look Island natives. Got to well, represent. I'm, I'm so glad that you guys can, you know, share that opportunity. Me, <laughs> me being from Massachusetts over here. Maybe from Mass. Um, you know, it's okay. It's okay, it's though. Good, um, but I, I like both your picks. For me, I think it's going to – it was. It's really hard to decide because you know you look at you know the MVP of the offense was Jalen Osborne. The MVP Go of the defense uh, is is uh, Ben Solo. But I'm actually going to take kind of a different approach. I'm going to give uh, a co MVP to two people. Okay. Uh, one of them being AJ Wingfield, and I know okay. the stats aren't going to show, but I think the leadership shows. I mean, AJ Wingfield comes back for his graduate se- uh, his graduate year. You know, this is his fifth year being here. Uh, he was the offensive player of the year last year. Completely different team, though. This is this is not the same team that Ithaca was, you know, now two seasons ago. Now that this season's over, um, and he kind of he turned into a game manager and he helped this team win. And and that's really all you can ask for, um, you know, being a fan of Ithaca football is to get the wins. And Smitty, I want to add something on there. He kept this season alive in Endicott week two. Mm-hmm. You know, they were mm-hmm. down in that fourth quarter by two possessions. Mm-hmm. Him and Sam Klein step up and were able to execute and win that game for them. You know, if they lose that game, mm-hmm. we're looking at an 0-2 start and a whole different kind of season. Yeah, and you look at the RPI win as well, and, yeah. and even in Union. Uh, you know, he went down late in the Union game, but it, it was something where, you know, his impact didn't always have to be on the field as well. You right. look at even after, you know, he's he's strolling around his little scooter. He's got <laughs> he's got his leg propped up on the scooter, and, yeah. and you know, Seeing AJ Wingfield, yeah. seeing mm-hmm. him be able to lift up that Liberty League trophy at the end of the season, it it just it's like a it's like a feel good sports story right yeah. there yeah. because that's a guy who's given you know five years to your program, and you know unfortunately his last game you know was due to injury he wasn't going to play again but he stood by his team and he supported his team and he kept on leading his team even through the playoffs even you know when it was Thanksgiving he could have. You know, probably not easily could have went home, but, you know, he could have yeah. probably went home, I'm going to guess, uh, you know, said, I'm done with this team. You know, I, I can't play another game, but he stuck by his team. You know, he, he you know, he was there. Was, he them. was with Colin yeah. Shum when they, you know, had won in, you know, the the Liberty League, uh, when they won the Liberty League, when they won the first round against Springfield. He was there for them. That's my first co-MVP. My second one is Coach Turper. And Ooh. the only reason I'm saying this okay, is Schmitty. because Coach Turper, you know, past two seasons obviously he's brought them back to back you know ncaa tournament appearances to the second round at least he also you know like aj wingfield had to deal with a lot of adversity this season you know you lose wingfield owen o'neill and jake williams all three of them 
in the season and you know that's your star defensive lineman star quarterback and star running back and still led this team to a liberty league title and to the second a second round appearance in the yep. playoffs so being able to do that and kind of keep that positive coach chirper attitude that we all know and we all love is, is something that you know speaks a lot of his character and i think you know i speak for all of us to say that you know us as ithaca college students are lucky to have him as a coach because you know he could easily leave. I mean, he's a good enough coach to probably be able to leave and go to a different school and, and get a coaching job there. So, um, you know, having Coach Terper and A.J. Wingfield this season, I think those are my co-MVPs. I love you guys, your guys' pick as well. I mean, I think I wish we could, you know, give everyone an, an MVP <laughs> trophy. But, you know, that I think I think that, that'll, that'll do it for us. Do you guys have any last remarks that you want to say to the listeners before I close it up? It's a great season. Um, you know, obviously didn't end the right way for Ithaca, but sports is sports, and we'll be back here next next season, whether it's on the podcast or a different position on the football crew. Yeah, um, I'm going to um, echo what Tommy said. It was a great season. Um, had a great time in this little production room with <laughs> Connor and Tommy. Um I will be in London next fall, so I will not no, be back. Nicole. But oh, this is news to us, by the way. Uh, senior year. Breaking back, news. Nicole. Nicole is going to London <laughs> next fall. Uh, we did not know this. This is the first time I'm hearing uh-huh. this. Uh, keep going. Though. I will be in London, so I will not be back next year. Nicole Allen will make her comeback senior year, though. Okay. And we'll be back for another great bomber football season but yeah, and hopefully yeah. by then they won't be six and four like i predicted they hopefully will be, hopefully they'll, 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 yeah. be, they'll be doing it all but um I, I will now go ahead and read my outro here <laughs> um because it has my thoughts in it as well so that'll do it for the wicb ithaca football podcast you know i know it's weird i didn't say week 13 of the wicb football podcast it's, it's just overall it's the finale oh, tragic. um you know th- i'm sure there will be people on it next year of course but it has been an <laughs> honor and a privilege to sit alongside you guys all season long from sitting in my dorm wo- dorm room on zoom in week one to weekly audio prod room meetings uh this season has just overall been a, a blast and i've had a lot of fun being able to do the podcast with you know both of you and to all the listeners out there, of course. As for the Bombers, they'll regroup and look towards next year. It seems like Colin Shum will be leading this Bombers team, and their future is pretty bright like we talked about. Um, but that's all the time we have here for Nicole Allen and Tommy Mora. I'm your host, Connor Smith. Thank you for listening. And in the words of our sports director, Josh Hobbs, remember to smile and have a nice night.